And it's a foundational belief that we have is that all pet owners love their pets and will do do the best they can for them given their information and resources. And so when we provide free resources, mm. I mean, they will stand I think they're actually better pet owners than me because they will stand in line for five hours to get the care they need. And I mean, that's a level of dedication that goes beyond money. They do very much love their animals and we see it time and again. Everyday Superhumans, the podcast to restore your faith in humanity. I'm Charlie. And I'm Kyle. Okay, so my brain is all over the place right now because we have so much exciting news to share with you. Mm -hmm. Starting with which, we now have a new team member. What, what? Yeah, this is a radio show that'd be like a soundboard that's like a bunch of cheering (laughs) and like kissy noises. Fake applause, fake (laughs) applause. In front of our live studio audience of not Nugget this time. She's not here. But anyways, uh, yeah, we have Anna, who is now our volunteer production assistant. She's a UT student who really wanted to get into podcasting, and we really wanted the help. So we were perfect for each other. And another one is stay tuned with our newsletter. Mm-hmm. As you may have known if you listened to the last episode, we have a new monthly newsletter where we talk about the news happening within Everyday Superhumans, along with news around Austin, Texas, with charity events, uh, a list of the upcoming episodes so you know who to expect in the next coming month, along with like quick news snip- snippets of people in other communities are doing great work for their community. So you basically just said everything. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> All right. Moving on <laughs> to another exciting thing is we won a indie podcast award for 2017 and our trophy was just shipped to us Mm -hmm. so um i'd like to take this time to thank everyone (laughs) mom and dad i finally won a trophy (laughs) it only took 29 years but i have proof i can show you it did you actually win the trophy? I mean, it splits halfway between both of us. Does okay. that count? <laughs> Kyle, just let me have my spotlight. Okay. okay. You get custody of the trophy this week. I get next week. Okay, <laughs> fine. And it's for uh, government and organizations yeah, that's our category. was the category. Yeah. And uh, the podcast awards is the name of the award show. They've been doing this for, I think, about 10 years now. And they mostly focus on smaller indie podcasts. So it's really good that we got this award within the indie podcast scene. Yeah. We're grinding our way into the podcast scene. (laughs) But anyways, though, let's get to the real business of the episode, (laughs) which is the episode itself. Who are we speaking to this time? We are speaking to Ian Hallett, and he is the vice president of Emancipat for all Central Texas branches. Mm -hmm. Their mission is to make high quality spay and neuter and vet care affordable and accessible to all pet owners. So in a sense, they're kind of like the kind clinic, but for animals. Mm-hmm. As a pet owner and a pet obsessed person, I just can't <coughs> thank Emancipet enough for the services that they do throughout Texas and in Philadelphia. And they make Nugget happy. So mm-hmm. I'm a happy person. We're in a different medical room, but not for human purposes, but for furry friend purposes. Mm, we're actually right next to a uh, surgery room right now. But yes. Yeah. And the, no surgery right no, now. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. We're actually watching a, a dog being dissected right now. Yeah. Oh, That'd God. be terrible. Yeah. That'd be so hard to watch. 
But, we, uh, fortunately, we don't do those sections. We put everything back in when we're done. Or, <laughs> or, or uh, not the bad part. Cool. We take out the bad parts. We put everything else back in. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. yeah. It's so, like, hey, it's a tumor. Let's put it back that's in. That's really the difference between dissection and surgery is putting everything <laughs> mm. back in. Or in and my making case, them. I had surgery on my shoulder uh-huh. for a broken collarbone. They put a metal plate inside my shoulder. So ah. they add an extra thing inside. Ah, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I got an upgrade. Okay. Are you sure it was a rod? A metal thing. I mean, it feels like it. Feels okay. like yeah. I got screws up there and everything. I can barely touch my shoulder. Ah, okay. Yeah. Just but, making sure. Yeah, they do. We we do that in animals too. It's pretty really? wild. Yeah. It's, so it's crazy just the fact that I even have that in me. Uh, what we're talking about <laughs> yeah. right now is emancipate, <laughs> yeah. which is. Yes. Uh, can you elaborate what emancipate does? As I understand, you are a nonprofit mm-hmm. dedicated to providing affordable healthcare for veterinary services yeah i mean you pretty much nailed it <laughs> yeah. so Did my research well. good job yeah all right you just <laughs> took half my lines <laughs> there so now i gotta i gotta figure out how to pick well, up from that so, earlier, so. Yes. yeah so no our, our mission is to make veterinary services in general affordable and accessible and um, historically we started in 1999 with just a mobile unit doing spay and neuter and at that time the emphasis was on lowering intake into the city shelter and the city shelter at that time was getting you know 25,000 plus animals lots of puppies and kittens which comes out to about you know 80 a day and during the summer and that's where I started my job was at the city shelter you know some days you We'd take in 100 animals a day. Mm-hmm. So the original mission of Emancipat was focused on spay neuter mm-hmm. and preventing shelter intake. And they started with a mobile unit and I believe did about 5,000 surgeries the first year, just traveling around town to areas that don't have veterinary clinics. So price is a barrier to veterinary medicine, but mm-hmm. so is geographic location. And what's interesting about the city of Austin is in the 1920s, you know, they officially segregated the city and all minorities had to move east of I-35. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. So if you look at it's changed now because of, you know, gentrification. But Mm -hmm. if you look just five years ago, there were only, I mean, you know how big I-35 is. There were only two or three clinics east of I-35. And I mean, west of I-35, you know, probably 50 of them. East Austin was kind of a veterinary desert. So after a few years of operating the mobile clinic in 2007, they opened a stationary clinic in East Austin. But during that time, the the founder of Emancipet and the director of the Austin Animal Services, who was my first boss, they mm-hmm. decided that the city should really invest money in providing um, spay neuter for free for the people who would never be able to afford it. And so they started out just one day a week going to different kind of parks and, mm. and, and neighborhoods on the east side and doing free spay neuter. And of course, the veterinary community didn't mind because they were, didn't really have clients east of I-35. <laughs> People didn't have money for veterinary care. And then that service has expanded from one day a week in 2000 to now it's four days a week wow. um, where we travel around to about eight or nine different public parks and do free spay neuter i do on average 30 a day some and sometimes as high as like 35 or more especially when you get a litter of kittens they can Mm -hmm. all hang out in the cage together and (laughs) recover from surgery um so in the summers you know we do 35 or more just on a um 
on a mobile unit that's the size of kind of like a food, you know, a large food truck is pretty amazing what they're able to do. And then now we also at those locations provide what we call healthy pet services, which are vaccinations mm -hmm. and preventative flea prevention, heartworm mm -hmm. prevention, things like that. We have the clinic in East Austin. We have a clinic in Pflugerville. We have one in Colleen. We have the one that we're sitting in now, which is our newest clinic in Central Austin, kind of is the new location for animal trustees of Austin that we merged with. Mm. So they're now Emancipet and we're all one group. And then we have one clinic in Houston and one in Philadelphia. So between, Oh, Philadelphia. Yeah. Wow, so you it's a, far. Yeah, so it's a first big leap. Why Philadelphia? Yeah, Just so <laughs> it takes about a million dollars to start up a clinic. It takes probably half of that to build it out. Mm -hmm. We like to do lease spaces so that we can stay in places close to where people need other services mm -hmm. and we can move with the people okay, um, as they go to yeah like, where we're at right now you're right next to walmart yeah is, i think we'll be here for a place. long time yeah because yeah, i don't think walmart's going away for a long time <laughs> yeah, so, no. so we like to lease spaces it probably takes you know half a million to get the space outfitted and pay your initial rent and all that mm -hmm. and then it takes probably another half a million to just get services up and going and once we're at um, full volume which would be over 10,000 spay neuters a year and 25,000 healthy pet patient visits, then we can actually break even and, and just maintain the clinic without extra donations coming in. So the Philadelphia and Houston and Colleen are all examples of cities and municipalities and granting agencies who came to us and said, we want a clinic in this neighborhood. Nobody's providing this service. Will you come in and open a clinic? So we, we prefer not to go to a place that's already providing low-cost services where mm. you're interested in going in places that don't have those Trying services. Trying to fill in that void. Yeah. You said the Mantepet started out with doing spay and neuter first. Mm -hmm. Why spay and neuter and not like vaccination or something mm -hmm. else like medication for heartworms? Uh, that's an excellent question. So where that came from, and it was a lesson that we learned... So we would go in this neighborhood that doesn't have veterinary services and we'd say, hey, you know, we'll spay and neuter your animal for free and we'll give it a rabies vaccination while it's under anesthesia and, and okay. the vaccinations it needs for that year. And people really appreciated that. But then, like, what do they do after that? And so they actually started knocking on the door one year later and literally on the surgery door and saying, hey, like, I need to do annual vaccinations mm -hmm. and there are no veterinary clinics here and I can't afford them. So we started out going, okay, give us, you know, they would stay outside. We bring them into the surgery area. We do a physical exam, give the vaccinations and then, you know, give them their pet back. And then the number of people knocking on the door just grew and grew. And then we realized like we needed to add a whole separate, uh, a second team and veterinarian to do that all day at the same time. So at each of those sites, there's two veterinarians and between six and eight veterinary technicians who are making that happen. And they can do uh, in the middle of the summer, they've done and seen as many as a hundred, over a hundred patients in one day doing that. And so that was why we added that service. So. Okay. Do you know what year you started doing that service in? Oh, I wish I, it was. <laughs> Quiz time. Yeah, man. You we guys don't know. Yeah. I mean, you could, just throw, a, right. you could just throw out a, I should have just gone for it. <laughs> In 2004. Yeah. <laughs> and we would just be like, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> so let's go with 2008. Okay. So yeah. about that late good. mid 2000s, uh -huh. probably. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you were originally doing like a bulk package in a way, but I thought the recursive right. stuff. 
Are the uh, vets and veterinary technicians full time? They are. So we are specialists in what we do. So there are no surgeons in town that do as many spay neuters as our surgeons do. So we have some doctors who do both healthy pet services and surgery. The most of our doctors do both. The doctors who do surgery only will do five thousand in a year. So it's kind of like if you want your animal spayed and neutered, like 5, that's 000. the person you want to do them. Wow. So yeah. five thousand divided by 365 days equals wow well, it's uh, like 20, I mean, you know 15 <laughs> a day every a day yeah, yeah. but they work four days a week wow. so they're doing like 30 every day that Ooh, they're wow. here. so yeah so it's a very specialized skill in fact we have to train up we have our own training program because mm-hmm. there are not enough high volume high quality high volume spay neuter vets in existence it's a very rare skill and so we have to we actually mm-hmm. train up all our own veterinarians here and that's one of the advantages of veterinarians coming here is they learn those surgery mm-hmm. skills so we're currently just in the central texas area i'd say total now we're at 17 veterinarians in the system and the majority as i think through this i'd say right now all of them have learned high volume uh spay neuter from us so so is that just not something that they learn in veterinarian school so i mean they learn how to do a spay and a neuter and typically they've only done a handful when they graduate and so yeah their first you know major experience is with us but what's nice here is they have continuing education classes where you can go learn it and it's Mm -hmm. like a weekend thing but Mm -hmm. when they come to work for us our chief medical officer is with them every day until we're for a two to three months until we're sure that they've got the procedure right and then after that, it's just a matter of building up, on, honestly, the stamina to get to, mm. you know, 35 animals a day. Mm. Our complication rate of any type is less than 2%, which wow. is, yeah. And that, that includes like an inflamed belly, like, an, okay. you know, like yeah. a, it's, it includes everything minor, you know, and our major complications are under 1%. So it's pretty good the, track record. To have. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the, that's the thing. So we've done over a quarter million spay neuters as an organization since we started Mm -hmm. and so we keep track of our data and if we start to use a new product or we a new technique and we see complications go up then we change it back or Mm -hmm. if we try something different and complications go down then that becomes our standard operating procedure so you know we kind of write the book on spay neuter as we go along so we really are the experts a typical veterinary clinic can do you know eight surgeries a day so and we're doing like 35 so also our veterinary technicians have are trained up in-house because what we teach them to Mm do you you learn the the pieces at another veterinary clinic, but learning to put them all together and do 35 in one day is a whole nother, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, thing. Stress. Yeah, yeah. So, well, it's not I mean, once you learn it. the flow, it's very, um, regimented mm, and okay. specific. And a lot of times this assumption that because you're getting low cost veterinary care, you're getting low quality veterinary mm-hmm. care, but it's actually the opposite here because we do so many surgeries, we're actually able to put a pulse oximeter on every single animal from the time they go in anesthesia to the time they're fully awake and so it clips on their tongue and it tells us their heart rate and the percentage of oxygen saturation in their blood and if any of those drop below a certain level an alarm goes off and we check them mm. and but those machines which we're looking at right over there the red one there and some of the blue ones are okay the size they're like of small a, like handheld really, 
And yeah. They're kind of like voltmeters. Uh-huh. Yeah, same size as like a voltmeter. Those things are $500 a piece. So you can't really afford to put one of those on every single patient unless mm -hmm. this is what you do every mm -hmm. day, all day. And that's what you do. Yeah. And so even though that's a really expensive piece of equipment and we're a nonprofit clinic, that does low cost work, we can afford it because of the scale at which we do. What's the pricing like here? What's yeah. like? Um, so the other really cool thing we do, so now all our surgeries, um, dog or cat, male or female, mm -hmm. and there's big differences in those surgeries. Mm -hmm. um, is, which uh, one is more expensive? <laughs> Large dogs. So okay. Okay. at most clinics, they charge differently for each species and mm. each sex and also the size. Mm. And so a large dog spay, which is the harder mm. procedure, can go up to $500. And so we do all the procedures at $69. And the other cool thing is that you can run into complications during surgery. So if the animal is in estrus, you know, in heat, they bleed more than they mm. traditionally would. So you take most vet clinics, that procedure's harder because the animal bleeds more so there's more tying off there's mm -hmm. more you know checking and so they charge an additional charge for that and we used to it was an extra 20 bucks now we've decided we slightly increased our prices by like four dollars per animal and now whatever it is we now. cover everything so you have no like surprises when you come back at the mm -hmm. end of the day like oh surprise we found this and there's this extra surcharge so that's also been really helpful that people know and it includes the pain medication so you're not mm -hmm. coming in and going well can i afford pain medication it's like no they get it you know that's standard mm -hmm. for them so and that's been huge and another big role we play is uh there's two kind of surgeries if a female dog has an affected uterus it's a very mm -hmm. expensive surgery and we now do that for the same price as a regular spay because wow so a lot of times the emergency clinics, if somebody comes in for that over the weekend and the patient is stable, they'll be like, look, you know, it's going to cost you a thousand dollars here. Go to Emancipet on Monday morning. It's going to be $69, you know? Wow. That's so, terrific. Yeah. Also pregnancy complications called dystocias hmm. are also really hard. And we do those for $69, which is amazing. You know, that's a thousand dollar surgery and it's an emergency one. If you don't do it, both the, the mother and the puppies will pass away if you don't do that oh. surgery. So it's a life threatening surgery and because we do them so frequently mm -hmm. a lot of our doctors are really good at them whereas in a typical clinic you know you may only see a few cases a year and here like we see hundreds of them so we're also kind of experts in that as well so your doctors are like no big deal to anything yeah well you know, they grumble a little bit they'd yeah. rather do a cat neuter uh, oh, really? those easier. can be done in under a minute oh, uh, they don't require sutures or anything that's fast yeah but did they they have the mission at heart and mm -hmm. in particular with those two surgeries those are life-threatening situations mm -hmm. and people come to us as a last resort so their hearts in it and mm -hmm. the satisfaction of knowing whereas a, a standard spay neuter is preventative care in those cases, it's actually life-saving surgery, and and that's that's what they always wanted to do was save animals and help families. So they love the surgery's hard, but they love the mission. Bring it back to spay and neutering. Yeah. One thing that I was never sure about growing up is like why spay and neutering is important. Mm -hmm. I know that 
Actually, I don't know anything. I'm trying to think of anything yeah. that could be like a valid argument for it. I can't think of anything. Can you tell yeah. me why it's important? There are some positive health impacts, uh, decreases in different types of cancers, behaviorally less likely to be aggressive, although that's not like um, 100% okay. correlation. Yeah. And then, I mean, you know, the biggest benefit is, you know, not having unwanted, you know, litters. That's the only thing that's I think the about, primary so. reason. And that was why Emancipet got started. It was to emancipate animals from having to go to the shelter so yeah because they i always feel bad when i hear a lot of or just a lady animal pregnant over and over and over again and she's i mean she's partly in control of it but we as pet owners should be able to watch what our dogs are doing. Yeah. And yeah. Know what they're doing yeah. or who they're doing. Yeah. But, but, to be honest. Uh. So I know that's always, it's kind of a controversial subject matter, but it's it's always a subject matter to talk about yeah what's um really interesting is that there's a major economic component to it that's probably with other things i've told you about veterinary services and austin history won't be surprising but so nationally all pets 80 percent of them are spayed and neutered so Mm, you'd be like oh well we're fine i mean 80 percent of anything's pretty amazing yeah when you go down to households making thirty-five thousand dollars or less that rate falls to 50 percent and then if you go to households in poverty it falls to 10 percent so really that last 20 percent is about reaching the clients that we're trying to reach out to it's not the clients who are already going to veterinary clinics it's the ones who have no relationship with a veterinarian so yeah there's a major economic component to it so are you a cat person or a dog person (laughs) it's a really good question because i don't believe you can be both Like, so it was actually an interview question I would use uh, for hiring animal care staff at the city shelter and mainly just to know like how straightforward they would be with me, be with me and how honest they were. Uh, So I'm a dog person. So I like cats, but I like the cats that act like dogs. Like the ones that run up to you when you get home Mm. and stuff. So I would like to have a cat one day. And if I do, it'd be the most dog like cat I can find. So I do like both, but I'm a dog person. One of my ex roommates, he had a Russian blue cat. Uh, And that cat was so affectionate. It was Uh like a dog. It it would run up to you you, whenever you entered the apartment. Uh Noodle? Yeah, noodle. Uh And also, she was always begging for pets. Uh Like, if you you had to pet her all the time if not she'd she'd claw me to my door at 2 a.m at night just so she'd get pet <laughs> she was a little bit too dog-like yeah she all the affection right right yeah there is a good you need a nice balance there <laughs> so she was cute though because if you like if you scratch her like on the neck to a certain point she'll like go all limp and she'll like fall through your lap <laughs> she was, she's a terrible cat she'd always fall down on everything <laughs> i think i'm a true dog person yeah through and through yeah so after Hurricane Harvey, yeah. was there a lot of intake in Houston? So there was a huge need down there, and we were actually able to get donations and funding and and some of our own financing to provide free services, free spay and neuter, and free general wellness and kind of minor emergency care. Mm-hmm or four to five days a week for three months. You know, they were doing 25 surgeries a day and seeing 100 patients a day for three months, you know, five days a week. So they did a lot. And there were a lot of um, 
especially with the contamination, the conditions there, mm-hmm. like a lot of kind of infections and wounds and just kind of small issues like that, that the people had no money to treat. Our clinic there is, um, it's the East End Clinic is what we call it. And it's in, if I remember my wards right, I think, you know, it's either third ward or ninth ward, but it mm-hmm. is a poor, poor area, and they had no access to services. And so what's interesting is a lot of people can be judgmental about low-income people who own pets, and Mm -hmm. you say, well, they're not educated, or and they don't care about their pets the same way. But what we've seen time and again is, and it's a foundational belief that we have, is that all pet owners love their pets and will do do the best they can for them, given their information and resources. And so when we provide free resources, resources. Mm. I mean, they will stand. Mm. I think they're actually better pet owners than me because they will (laughs) stand in line for five hours to get Mm. the care they need. And I mean, that's a level of dedication that goes beyond Mm. money. You know, Mm. that's, that's the kind of thing you do for a family member who's ill is stand, you know, if you had to would be stand in line all day to get care. So they do very much love their animals. And we see it time and again. Yeah, we were talking before we picked up the mics about how the the idea of a homeless people yeah. owning pets has been changing over the times. Yeah. Like it's actually not as negligent as people thought that it would be. Yeah. So we have been treating the pets of the homeless population for over a decade. Um, it started with animal trustees of Austin. And then, you know, as we merged, we continued the program. And we actually have cases of people who, you know, their animals have, uh, they're homeless and have had in major injuries. And they've actually hitchhiked their way across the U.S. to get to our clinic for treatment because it's their only option. So we see a tremendous level of dedication from them there if you go to our youtube channel you'll see a story in our 16th anniversary video about a gentleman who was homeless since he was 14 and was alcoholic uh, and he saw an animal being mistreated and and um, poopsie brown was it became her name and because it was uh, a really terrible name before that so he made it a cute name and took the dog in and then realized the only way he could care for the dog is if he was sober and so he's been sober ever since and and as fate would have it this dog has skin allergies and requires medicated shampoo and a special diet and he makes sure he comes here once a month to make sure she has all the supplies she needs and uh, yeah she gets excellent care and is a you know a real example of what we see throughout the community Um, because that population often has no like other source of companionship and unconditional love in their life so they are very close to their animals and are very tight and benefit greatly from each other so Sometimes I love animals more than humans. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's interesting because we get a lot of people that want to get into the field mm-hmm. because of that. And we actually have to teach them that you're going to talk to 100 clients a day because every <laughs> animal comes with an owner. And honestly, <laughs> you're going to spend more time with the owner. So we actually have to hire like very outgoing mm-hmm. social people because yeah. they're going to be talking all day. So. This is very important. Uh-huh. So we're everyday superhumans. Uh-huh. So if a man's a pet could be a superhero, uh-huh. what superhero would they be? And you can make up this superhero name too. It doesn't have to be Superman or Batman. You can create yeah. a new superhero on the spot. Well, I will say that our original logo was a dog with a Che Guevara hat because it was a man's 
emancipating pets from shelters. So I guess maybe the superhero would be Che Guevara. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that might be a bit controversial. Yeah, 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 I know. I mean, so it's not the college, best one. I guess I sh- student out there will love it, though. Every college student has like. Yes, has I feel like it's a part of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's of, actually very like, awesome becoming, that way. Oh, it is. Yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, that's I guess though, Che Guevara. Yeah. yeah. I can never say his last name correctly. It's Austin, so of course our our yeah. superhero would be political. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, great. Thanks. All right. Yeah. yeah thanks yeah. for having me on. It's been a blast. Yeah, I love podcasts, and I love listening to your podcast because in this day and age, you need good news, and you need to mm-hmm. hear about the positive things that are going on. So, um, for me, it's a way to recharge uh, yeah. from uh, life. Mm-hmm. So, thanks for what you guys do. Looking for high-quality yet affordable animal care for your dog or cat? Or maybe you're looking to help pets in need? Check out emancipet.org for more info. You can also check them out on facebook.com slash emancipet or follow them on Twitter and Instagram at emancipet. Looking for something a little bit more optimistic in your life? Does a 24-7 news cycle keep you down? Never fear, Everyday Superhumans is here. Restore your faith in humanity at everydaysuperhumans.com where you can learn all about the people making the world a better place each and every day. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our, our new monthly newsletter where you learn all about the ways you could become a superhuman today. You could also follow us on Twitter at SuperhumansCast, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash everydaysuperhumans, and check out our Instagram at everydaysuperhumans. Has your faith in humanity been restored? Then be sure to rate and subscribe to Everyday Superhumans on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Attic, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're feeling really generous, be sure to donate to our Patreon at patreon.com slash everydaysuperhumans. And remember, not every hero has to fly. So grab your cape and let's go. And we had a really fun time interviewing him, especially because while we were interviewing him, we were right next to the surgery rooms. And a dog and was being operated. Uh, no, no, no. No, it was. The dog, there was. There was no animals operated on in this episode.